Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. The Old Testament to the book of Ezra. The Old Testament book of Ezra. Right at the, toward the end of the books of history in the Old Testament here. Ezra chapter number 9 is where we'll be. We've been preaching for the last several weeks concerning revival. Last week, of course, we kicked off our spring revival meeting. I want to remind you, of course, that uh, revival is not and does not happen because we schedule it. As a matter of fact, it doesn't happen that way. I wish it could. I wish it was something that we could bottle up and sell and uh, just put in somebody's pocket and say, here, you have revival and that you have been revived. But unfortunately, and maybe even more fortunately, uh, revival does not work that way. Uh, Revival is personal. Revival is something that God must do. Revival is something that we must long for. Revival is something that uh, God must stir our hearts in and do a work in our lives to get a hold of us. We have talked about and maybe even screamed about, preached about for far too long the need of revival in our country, in our churches. But I dare say that revival mostly in our lives is what is needed. I wish again we could conjure it up, but we can't. In Ezra, chapter number 9, we come to a passage of Scripture that is, I think, of utmost importance. It's a prayer of Ezra, a man that God greatly used in a time during the nation of Israel that um, they were in need of reviving, even though they had experienced somewhat of a national revival. Of course, the nation of Israel, several years before this, had been carried into captivity by the Babylonian Empire. And for 70 years, spent in captivity until God saw fit to release them. They were released to go back to Jerusalem. As they returned to Jerusalem in a place that was Uh, desolate, that had been burned with fire, the temple had been burned, homes had been burned and destroyed, and they were starting over during a time that was of great turmoil. Yet they started the rebuilding of the temple. During that time, they had great difficulty and they stopped. God sent two preachers to come and 
to revive them and said, it's time to build the house of God. And they completed the task. Now in Ezra chapter 9, this is nearly 450 years before the coming of Christ. About 50 years before the silent years of God. I want to put that in your mind this morning, that in 50 years from this passage, God is going to be silent with Israel for 400 years. For 400 years, the nation of Israel will not hear from God until John the Baptist comes preaching in the wilderness. For 400 years. So these words and these, this prayer of Ezra concerning revival is really of utmost importance in our life as well. I want to make some connections here this morning as we consider this topic, revival. Now what? Or we could say revival, what now? In verse number 5 of Ezra chapter 9, the Bible says, And at the evening sacrifice I arose from my heaviness, and having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees, spread out my hands unto the Lord my God. And said, O my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God. For our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespasses grown up to the heavens. Since the days of our fathers have we been in great trespass unto this day. For our iniquities have we... Our kings and our priests been delivered into the hands of the kings of the lands to the sword, to captivity, to a spoil, to a confusion of face as it is this day. And now, for a little space, grace hath been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape to give us a nail in His holy place, that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia, to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God, to repair the desolations thereof, and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. And now, O oh our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken thy commandments, which thou hast commanded by thy servants, the prophets, saying, The land unto which ye go to possess it is an unclean land with the filthiness the people of the lands, 
their abominations, which have filled it from one end to the other with their uncleanness. Now therefore, give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace or wealth or their wealth forever, that ye may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. I want to draw your attention to the eighth verse in this chapter. As Ezra says, and now for a little space grace hath been shown from the Lord, our God, to leave us a remnant to escape, to give us a nail in His holy place, that our God may lighten our eyes, and give us a little reviving in our bondage. If you're in the habit of marking in, that, in your Bibles, I want you to mark that phrase at the very last part of verse number 8. As he says, and give us a little reviving in our bondage. A little reviving. I don't believe there is any doubt as we read the scripture this morning that we are living and breathing in what the Bible describes as the last days. I wish I could tell you how long the last days last, but I can't. If you're a student of the Word of God and you read through and you see the signs of the times and you read of the last days, every sign is there, every sign is accomplished, every sign is before us. We're in it. I would dare say... There's not much time left before the Lord returns to claim His church, take them to heaven. And in this time, if revival is going to come, it's going to be a little one, a little reviving, a remnant. And as he describes here in verse number 8, a little space of grace. What is the purpose of revival? Again, something that we've talked about, something that we have preached about, something that if you have been in church any amount of time, you've probably heard discussed. But what is its purpose? What is the purpose, and if we have revival, what's it for? Why do we want it so badly? I hope to discuss with you this morning this topic of revival. What now? What now? Again, we've had our revival meeting. We've had our leading up to that, but what now? Where do we go from here in this area of revival? 
Or is it simply just a topic that we discuss? I want it to be an event of our life. Even if it is just a little reviving that God would give to us. Even if it would just be for a little while. We might have a little space of grace that God would do something spectacular in our midst. As a nail in His holy place. Revival. Now what? Let's pray together, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, I thank You. God, You have been so, so good to us. Giving us more than we ever deserve. your grace and in your mercy. You've withheld punishment from us that was deserved. Yet in that you have given us your son Jesus Christ die on the cross of Calvary as he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures given to those of us that have believed the wonderful gift of eternal life. God, for it, we're ever so grateful. And God, I pray this morning that as we consider the way of our life, the way that we live it, God, we Look about ourselves. We know there's still something missing. Not of the gift that you have given, but Father, the way that we live within that gift. Father, we know that from time to time there's a separation. Sin creeps in. God, we ask this morning that you would place within us this little space of grace to revive our spirit once again. That we might experience and have within this holy place that you have called us to. Revival your Holy Spirit in our lives. God, that we might see great and mighty things that we've never seen before. We might know the might of your power. We might be able to give to you the honor and glory that's due your name. God, thank you. We thank you in advance. 
for what you're going to do here at Bailey Road Baptist Church. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we consider revival this morning and we consider this prayer of Ezra, we must first consider revival within the grief of revival. The grief of revival. Now as I consider the grief of revival, I, I hesitate to use those words together. Because if I, as, as I think about and consider revival, everything that I know about revival and everything that I've ever read about revival is that revival is a wonderful experience that we've all longed to be a part of. A moving of God across people. I want to remind you this morning that in order to have that moving, there must be a grief that takes place first. There must be a grief that takes place first. We see that here in the life of Ezra as he starts off in verse number 5 as he says, And at the evening sacrifice I arose up from my heaviness. As we think about the grief it's in revival, we think about that word grief, that is a pain or a sorrow of something that is produced. A pain or a sorrow of something that is produced. And as Ezra starts off here, he says, I arose up from my heaviness. You see, I'm afraid this morning, That as Christians, we've gotten to the place that we say we want revival, but we don't want the heaviness. We say we want the moving of God, but we want it without the conviction of God. We want to feel good, but we don't want to put in what has to happen in order for God to move upon us. You see, we go through and we say, I want revival, I want revival, I want revival, but I, I don't want to feel bad. I don't want to go through the heaviness. I don't want to go through the brokenness. I don't want to go through the shame. We do the same thing in our, our life and other areas, don't we? We say, well, I, 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 I mean, look, I mean, I, I want to be skinny. But I don't want to eat right. I, I want to be skinny, but I don't want to go to the gym. I want to be skinny, but I don't want to exercise, and I don't want to diet right, and, and I want to go, I want all of that without doing what it's going to take to get the results of what it's going to take. 
And you know what we don't get? The results. Except we get the results, don't we? We get the results of what we put in. And it's the exact same way in our spiritual lives. Ezra said, The evening sacrifice I rose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees, and I spread out my hands unto the Lord and said, Oh my God. This was not in a vain way. This was not in a uh, calling out unto the name of the Lord in a vain way. But crying out to God and saying, Oh my God! I am ashamed. And he said, I blush. the last time you blushed at your sin? When's the last time you blushed at your sin? When's the last time we said, I'm ashamed at that? You see, we've become so familiar and so accustomed to our sin, we often carry it around as if it's no big deal. We carry it around and wear it around as if it doesn't matter. You think that might be? You think that could be part of the reason why we've yet to experience revival in our lives as Christians? Because we've come to the place where we're so familiar so at ease with our sin, we have no shame, we have no blush before our God. Yet Ezra said, there's grief in revival. He said, I was heavy in this. He said, I was broken in this. He said, I couldn't even lift up my face to look at my God. For our iniquities are increased over our head. And our trespass have grown up to the heavens. The heaviness has to be real, folks. Brokenness has to be real. The shame has to be real in order for revival to take place. So I submit to you first the grief that's in revival. But can I submit to you, number two, the grace of revival? The grace of revival. As Ezra continues, he says, Since the days of our fathers have we been in a great trespass unto this day. He says, it didn't start with me. And listen, we need to get a hold of that as well. It didn't start with us. This isn't new to us, but we've continued it. We've carried on in it. 
And he says, and now, for a little space, grace has then showed from the Lord our God. Grace is a favor or a state of reconciliation to God. A grace or a favor. As God looks down, stops and says, you know what? They deserve something more, but I'm going to withhold that. And he says, and for now a little space, grace, hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in His holy place. A nail that we can hang on to. A nail that we can hold on to. A nail, if you will, His Son, Jesus Christ, that God may lighten our eyes, that we might see what God has done, that we might be able to see how God has given to us, as He describes here, a little reviving in our bondage. I tell you, the grace of revival this morning is only found in God's mercy. It's only going to be found in God's mercy. As He describes to us in verse number 9, For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us. Aren't you grateful for the mild tenderness of God's heart? mild and tender heart of God. I love how Webster described mercy. As he said, it's the mild and tender heart which disposes one to overlook an injury to treat us better than we deserve. Aren't you grateful that God treats you better than you deserve? that extends to you His mercy. It's only by His mercy, the Bible says, that we're not consumed. It's only by the mercy of God that God did not look down on you and on me to say, that's enough! It was only by God's mercy that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross it was only by His mercy that Jesus Christ went to that cross and shed His blood and was buried and rose again the third day. It was only by His mercy that you and I can have eternal life. Only by His mercy that you and I can have a little space of grace and a little reviving in our bondage. The grace of revival is only found in God's mercy and it's only found in God's forgiveness. It's only found in God's forgiveness. 
forgive. It's to treat as if we had never sinned. As if we were not guilty. That's how God forgives you. That's how God forgave me. I'm grateful this morning that God's forgiveness is different than how you and I forgive, aren't you? Oh, me. The grace of revival. I want you to notice again, he says, It's now for a little space, grace hath been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape, to give us a nail in His holy place, that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Verse 9, he says, to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God, to repair the desolations thereof, to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. May I submit to you that the grace of revival is as temporary as our lives temporary. It's a little space of grace. It's a little reviving. There's a reason revival must come. It's temporary. graceful it's graceful but just as our lives are temporary the grace of revival is temporary I don't know about you but I'm grateful that our sin is also temporary I'm grateful for the permanent forgiveness of God. Permanent forgiveness of God. You see, as we understand the grief in revival and we understand the grace of revival, we have to understand the gravity of revival. The gravity or the seriousness of it. Why do we ask for it? Why do, why, do we, why do we beg God to be revived? Why do we want it? Or dare we say, do we want it? Do we really want it? Or is it just the cliche thing to say we want it? Oh, man. Seriousness of revival. is that it's not really for us. It's not really for you, and it's not really for me. If you'll notice here in Ezra chapter 9, he says that God hath given a little space grace. 
and hath given us a little reviving in our bondage. But in verse number 10, he says, And now, O God, our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken thy commandments, which thou hast commanded by thy servants, thy prophets, saying, The land unto which ye go to possess it is an unclean land with the filthiness of the people of the lands. There are abominations which have filled it from one end to another. Their uncleanness. Notice verse 12. Now therefore, give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace or their wealth forever. He may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. Nothing in this life is only for you and me. If biblical Christianity is going to last, it's going to have to be passed on to the next generation. We're talking about real, biblical, authentic Christianity. Do we even have it today in this century? Or is there just but a remnant? Is everywhere that calls itself a church a church? Or, or do we live in a society today, and I would dare say that we do, live in a society that are simply just identifying as things that we are not? The reason we need revival is there is another generation is dependent upon a real biblical Christianity to last. How have we done so far? I'm not exactly sure if I could do a survey through the room this morning. I'm not exactly sure who, who is or who would be closest to the oldest in the room. I know we have some in their 80s. But if we just went back in our society over the last 100 years, we just went back since 1921. We took a survey of how much our country has changed. What would we what would we see? And I would I would say that we've had some things change for the better. I I read an article just this morning about 
what's changed since the 1970s? It's been a lot. Just in the last 50 years. If we were to just take a survey of what's changed in the last 100 years, you say, well, what are we going to change? How about, let's just take a survey of what's changed politically in the last 100 years. Lots changed, hasn't it? What about technologically? Well, we've made advancements. We've been to the moon and back. And then some. And fly around the world. And then some. We can, we can talk on watches. Wow, we've made advancements, haven't we? A lot of changes in the last 100 years. What about morally? And I'm not one to say that you can legislate morality because you cannot. But the lack thereof sure has revealed a lot, hasn't it? Listen, revival is not just for you. There's another generation that is dependent upon you. There's another generation dependent upon God doing something in your life. Because we have something that we will leave. Other generations have left it. Oh, that we need revival. What now? We must tell. We must tell. That is truly what revival is all about. He says to leave it for an inheritance to your children. Forever. You see, there are eternal matters at stake. We get so caught up in what we're going to leave when we're dead. Physical things. We make wills. We put things in writing. Last wills and testaments. We make sure everything is marked. I remember when I met Rachel and I went to her great-grandmother's house. It was actually rather strange. Went through our house and she was in her late 80s. And as she got older, she went through her house and began, well, she began naming things. She would take an item and she would take a piece of tape and write someone's name on the bottom of it. So they would know when she died that this goes to Rachel. This goes to Betty. This is glorious. She didn't want any fighting over it. 
Amen? Hey, sometimes you got to plan ahead. We do that physically. What about spiritually? Have you planned ahead spiritually? What have you left behind? What are you leaving behind? That is why we're so desperately in need of a revival this morning. Because one day this generation is going to be passed. What will we have left? If we don't get broken, we don't experience a grief and revival. All we're going to leave behind is stuff. But God help us. He might give us a space of grace and a little reviving for this next generation. Of gravity. How have we done? That, my friend, is what's now. That is what everything is hinging upon. There is another generation. Every head bowed, every eye closed.